baby let's listen to bob don't worry everything's gonna be all right may 25th edition of don city henry maldonado aka bumble clock booty still on the high from this weekend's versus battle vince merck and daddy how we doing vince i'm gonna find out by the end of tonight what bumble clotty booty means <laughs> but uh i am doing well it is a somber memorial day today um but we are going to uh, focus on baseball here for the next hour. Great choice. You're, you're one-upping yourself every week. I love that song, and I love it for all of the reasons no one would ever expect. And I've said this it's before. Perfect. It's perfect this weekend. It's perfect right now. So everything is uh, yeah. going to be all right. Very fitting. I've said it before. Shane Victorino's walk-up during the 2013 playoffs was one of my favorite walk-ups ever because the Fenway crowd would get into that song. Uh, even though I'm a Yankees fan, that was like thrilling baseball for me. So love that song, love that choice, and absolutely I love it for all of the reasons. The sentiments are everything we could say because there's no reason to worry here. We're going to get into it here. Um, 2020 season updates, where things are currently. We'll do a quick recap of that. We've been touching on it every week here. We're going to get into a timeline of events, what to expect going forward between now and probably the next show. It's a very, very important week coming up here. Uh, and then we're going to get into the good, the bad, the ugly of the situation. And we'll talk about fallout. We'll look to next week. Um, and we'll have some debating in here as well, just uh, touching on stuff that's been hot topics in baseball life this group this week. As we close in, Henry, on 5,000 members, not quite there yet, but we're right on the cusp. Almost, 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 almost. I'll save any ceremonial speeches and emotional I love yous till we actually hit the 5,000 <laughs> mark. So it's been a few years in the making. Vince, I have a question for you. Sure. We have no baseball this Memorial Day. Nope. When was the last time there was no baseball in the MLB on Memorial Day in this country? You know, I couldn't believe the answer to this. Uh, would have never guessed ever in a million years. I, if you asked me, I would have said like sometime, like World War II, probably like they stopped baseball at some point. That would have been my honest to God guess. In fact, when we saw the answer, we said, this is bullshit. There's no way this is possible. And we went back and researched it and said, holy shit, this is true. Vince, yeah. what's the answer? 1880. And I looked up every work stoppage baseball's ever had in the 20th century, because they've all been in the 20th century so far. And sure enough, Memorial Day had baseball every single year, I'm assuming since 1880. I didn't look up 1880 and 1900, but there was no work stoppage. So, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, it's crazy. I wouldn't have thought that. Just the worst history ever, 140 years down the drain. Now we have no baseball today. I blame Manfred. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I, he, he's like one of those like, sh like Wall Street guys in the in boiler room. Yeah. Just one of the skeezy ones. He's got like those really expensive cashmere socks on and he like probably has toothpicks at his desk and like his tie is real loose. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. He's a douche. Uh, <laughs> anyway, when in doubt, it's Manfred's fault. So let's get into it here. Um, there haven't been a ton of updates, but we can re reiterate kind of where we're at. An article came out this week uh, summarizing it pretty well, and that is um, over from CBS Sports. So where we're at, just to reiterate, 82-game schedule, that's going to be the proposal. Seems like I, I haven't seen any sort of discourse where people disagree with that, so I think they're in agreement with that. Get serious now. I can take off the board. Yeah, I'm sure you're getting hot, too. Uh, and universal DH. So those are the two things that I assume have been agreed upon. Uh, we've got 30-man active rosters, 20-player taxi squad. I don't think either side has a problem with that either because no. you're going to need it. No. So expanded rosters, that 20-player taxi squad, because you're not going to have minor league baseball this season, that pretty much guaranteed. And then 14 teams, the expanded playoff. Again, both teams have agreed to that because players want to play more and, uh, and it's going to make more revenue. So owners are okay yeah, with that's, it too. That's, that's one of the things I hate. The expand, I don't like the expanded playoff either, but I, I understand. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't understand it actually. I would prefer the opposite. I would prefer a smaller playoff with more games within the postseason. I think more teams, um, they'll have more markets, you know, in, in the running and, and potentially more playoff games, you know, more money. Yeah. I get it, but I hate it. Yeah. I mean, when in doubt, it's always the money. 
but um, yeah, I don't, I don't like it either. Um, I would have preferred, like I said, the same 10 teams, and then you just do a three-game play in a best-of-seven, best-of-seven, best-of-seven. That gives you the playoff games you're looking for, and it doesn't make almost half the league make the playoffs. Yeah, I think it's that plus, like I said, just it's getting more teams involved and, you know, fan base. You know, it's an easy way to get fans involved if your team isn't it. Yeah, now they did add some a little caveat in here. I don't know if this is official or not. I'm sure it's just a goal. Mm-hmm. But I didn't notice this, that the idea is to play in the home cities in October, which this kind of implies regardless of who makes the playoffs. I think this came, this, when it, what this came out was that both sides kind of, I guess, preliminarily agreed to this, but how much water it's going to hold, I don't know, because they had an agreement in March and now, you know, MLB is uh, backtracking, who knows. And yeah, I mean, like I'll, we'll see on the Yankees and Mets if either one or both make the playoffs, we'll, we'll see. Um, but I mean, that does, that's at least the goal from MLB standpoint is by the postseason. And we've had a lot of people ask this in baseball life. The answer is by the postseason, they would like everyone to be playing at home, whether it's going to start that way. Probably not. Every, every major city or every city, at least with a team is starting to open up, including ours. Um, we'll touch on that. So unless that second wave hits and hits hard, you know, I, I guess it makes sense. Yeah. And then the last point here, the 50-50 revenue split, we know that that was not agreed upon by players. So that still is being worked out. We will get to that later. Um, We've been harping on it a lot. Uh, It's always going to come down to money. That's what this last kind of leg to stand on from either side is going to come down to. So we'll get to that in a second. But that's where things are. So we're getting closer. I think uh, two weeks ago, if you asked a lot of fans if they thought there'd be baseball, they'd say absolutely not, whether it was because of the virus or whether it was because of all the barriers in the way. I think if you ask fans now, they're probably more like you and I, Henry, where we've said the entire time there's going to be baseball. All they and, have to uh, do is listen to us more often. I can't, uh, I can't point to how many you know, uh, issues we've been writing on and, and well, we can say we told you so, fuckers. Pay attention. Listen yeah. to Don City and just follow our lead if you're not sure. We are almost there at the I told you so fuckers part <laughs> where we can say, you know, neither of us panicked at any point. And I, we will continue to not panic this week. This is the doomsday week in my book. Um, we'll see. Alan, to answer your question, MLB, uh, MLB has approved the owner's proposal. The players haven't. That's going to be reviewed tomorrow. So we were hoping that it could uh, happen today. It's not. So they're going to discuss tomorrow. We'll get to this when we get to it. Well, we can get actually right into that, the timeline of events now. And then who knows, if something breaks major and then there's no other podcast going on in the other groups, eh, maybe we just come on just for the shell of it. Yeah, we'll see. We do you do have a fantasy podcast tomorrow, Fantasy Baseball, but depending on the time of day, if there's major breaking news, Henry and I will try and uh, get together and, and talk about it real quick, or we'll just make a thread. Mm-hmm. Um, but the where we're at, timeline of events going forward now, Tomorrow they just they talk on the proposal. I don't have a time for that. I don't know if there's a designated time for that. But by the end of the business day, I would think we would have an update. My gut, and tell me if you disagree, is that there's going to be a disagreement. I don't think whatever is being proposed is going to be automatically agreed to second proposal. Um, everything that the owners keep leaking, and I'll keep saying it that way because they're the only ones who can benefit from leaked information. Um, everything the owners are leaking so far indicates that they – all are on the same page when it comes to the health, the testing, all those aspects of the game and how they'll proceed. And at the end of the day, it's going to come down to what it always comes down to with these two, and it's money. It's, right. They have to agree on money. Everything else can be figured out. Um, on, you know, It's just the money issue, which will always be the sticking point with these two. Yeah. So I think tomorrow they will not come to a full agreement on the money issue, which leaves us the rest of this week. And I say it like that because one week from today's date is going to be June 1st. That's when our next show is going to be. June 1st is not an apocalyptic midnight hour doomsday date, but it is, that is very late in the process. Like, you know, we've talked about the timeline the whole time. If you're going to start baseball, it has to be in that early to mid July, even for, again, from a money standpoint, you have to get baseball started by July 4th, or that's like millions of dollars that you've missed out on and just that mistake. So in both of our minds, we've said it since February, baseball probably starts that first week of July. Um, And in order for that to happen, they need about three weeks to have spring training and and start opening day. So we're back retroactively back to June 10th now. Mm -hmm. And I would think that there needs to be a few days from the time they agree it to work out the remaining little kinks. Those will probably take a few days. 
and have to agree on a proposal. So June 1st is a really good date in my mind that they should reach something and it also gives you all of this week to negotiate. If it's June 2nd or June 3rd, that's possible, but not much after that. So we're looking at this week as essentially the final negotiations in my mind. I don't think it'll be agreed upon to the tomorrow, but maybe by Friday. I think um, by the time we have another show on, on the 1st, we'll yeah. have some good news and there'll be an agreement and we can say, I told you so, fuckers. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah, I think that's a, that's a timeline. I would, I would take the under on the over under on uh, whether or not we'll have a decision by our next show. Yeah, I think um, our next show. Uh, let me say our June first show. Uh, I think we'll have a, an announcement um, that we'll have a game and 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 the season and we'll have a framework of that. So right. All I'm saying there is, if it's not decided by June first. It, uh, if it's June 2nd or June 3rd, we're still fine, but I expect it by next, by next week. So that's our timeline. Now let's say there's still, there's a good, a bad and ugly in this situation still. Um, some things that have progressed nicely have been optimistic and there's been some things that are kind of, you know, they're a problem. And then there's some things that are still ugly. And I think you can guess what the ugly is going to be, but let's get to the good first. So Andrew Cuomo uh, came out, your boy over in New York City, came coming out with an outrageous statement to me, saying that he, he welcomes New York teams back to New York. They can begin their uh, essentially spring training, like they can begin training in the facilities in New York City, which is still pretty horrible as far as COVID numbers. They have been getting lower, but they're, you know, compared to the rest of the country, still off. Yeah. I don't so, know what he was thinking there. I think... Uh... I think it's one of those things, and, and I can tell you that if you walk around, the, there's some people following the guidelines, and there's a lot of people who aren't. So I think he's between a rock and a hard place where every other state is starting to slowly open, and, you know, we're the only state that isn't. People are going to start complaining, you know, and, and he's tasked to do I give in and give them a little bit of rope to hang themselves because that's what's going to happen if you open fully too soon. Right. Or do I continue to be, you know, a tough governor? So I think he gave a little with the hope that everyone will follow the guidelines. I just don't see the point in doing that when both New York teams have training facilities in Florida. Yeah. And you also have you also have uh, DeSantis over in Florida, governor of Florida, coming out and saying that, you know, Florida where I am, we've already started phasing in. It's not just like talk. So they, you know, we're already in a phase. Uh, the rumor, it's not official, is that next weekend, June 1st, um, we're gonna start talking about opening up theme parks at capacity, at a, at a limited capacity, as well as sporting events. So okay. in- I think that this is geared towards other sports and not necessarily baseball. Because like I said, the Yankees and Mets both have training facilities in, in Florida. I think this is more, you know, with the WNBA, the NBA, um, the NFL, they all have training camps in New York State, not necessarily New York City is where the training facilities are. So, you know, the numbers outside of the actual city are, are much better than, than New York City itself. Right. So I'm, I'm guessing that's where that came into play. And, you know, the idea of the Yankees and Mets playing at home won't really come to fruition until mid to late June. Right. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think he's saying it more from a, a jockeying for position standpoint, if you will, planting seeds. But I absolutely expect the Yankees and I would assume the Mets, too, because they are um, they have their facility down here as well. I'd expect them both to open the season in Florida and probably play the regular season in Florida. I don't I don't see them going up anytime soon. But that October timeline, depending on this quote unquote second wave. Um, that that would be a, a tangible goal for the city of New York is if you can have your, your baseball playoffs at home. Yeah. Um, so that's where that is. So Cuomo comes out, I mean, optimistic nonetheless. Like, he, he wouldn't be making those statements if you were still in the absolute worst of the worst of this. So we consider that an optimistic thing, just an unrealistic thing. Now, the other things that have happened this week, uh, again, they affect where I live in Central Florida. The NBA has agreed to have their season – Play, the rest of their season and playoffs played in uh, Wide World of Sports Complex and Disney World. So that's been agreed upon. There's, you know, no players and owners both agreed it's going to happen in, in some way. There, I don't think there's a start date yet, but 
they're already demonstrating because the worldwide of sports is kind of its own campus. They're already demonstrating that there will be professional sports in Florida and soon. Um, and then the other thing going around along with that is the NHL players and owners have also reached an agreement. It doesn't have to do with Florida necessarily, um, but they have reached an agreement to resume their season. So now you're at a, a situation where all three other sports signed, sealed and delivered have agreed. They're going to start their seasons. Pressure's on MLB even more now. Pressure's on the MLB owners, I think. Right. Yeah, I agree. That hits the owners harder than the player, players. Absolutely. Because now you can't be an owner sitting on the sidelines when every other owner in professional sports in North America is uh, having their season finish, essentially. Leon in the comments said that the Nets are, play, are, are practicing in Brooklyn. I just pulled it up, and he's indeed right. They're opening a training facility for players who want to attend voluntary workouts. The Knicks will not. So this is interesting. Yeah, now Leon and, and Jacob uh, are Step Back podcast hosts in Bala's Life. If you're not in Bala's Life yet, uh, definitely feel free to go in there and, and join. They've got a great podcast. Also kind of our ambassadors, if you will, of basketball. Yep. You guys, um, if I remember, I don't know if this has changed, but I think in the NBA, if you suck like the Knicks, because Leon mentioned the Knicks won't open up yet, if you suck like you're the Knicks, are they even – going to finish their season because I had seen that if you're like not one of those teams with the chance to make the playoffs you don't have to play it just ends well, their season I've always felt like the Knicks have been training for the last decade right so, <laughs> so I'm curious if that changed Leon if is that the reason the Knicks aren't opening up yet because they're just not going to play or is everyone going to resume play in the NBA and, and kind of play out the line there so um We'll get an answer on that. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, NHL's back, NBA's back. Central Florida is going to welcome sports next week. They're going to welcome theme parks in the next week or two. Um, so all of those things kind of play into MLB here. Now we get into the bad. <laughs> and the bad is more, I think, funny at this point than anything else. But we'll start with Gabe Kapler's comments, Henry. And um, I don't know if you have the exact quote up, but he essentially said something like, uh, it's going to be tough for players not to spit. <laughs> Yeah, I don't have the actual quote, but in essence, he of all the things he can bitch and moan about and say it's going to be hard to adjust, he chooses spitting. <laughs> the hill he wants to die on. Like only butt slaps would be more embarrassing of a thing to get hung up on than spitting. Look, I get it. He's not wrong in the totality of the idea of, hey, there's little nuances that have to, you know, be adjusted and players have to adjust for, you know, like spitting and like you said, butt slaps and, and you know, walk-off celebrations, I'm sure going to be drastically altered um but for him to just like harp on the spitting thing was just foolish now you touched on something that's kind of a trigger for Wait, you yes. know what that is that is the shut the fuck up of the week <laughs> yes you're right <laughs> i had someone else lined up and then i we we had a huge revelation about five minutes before the show yeah. so he has been replaced by gabe kapler that is just exactly. like shut the fuck up <laughs> Why are you talking the original J.D. Martinez fuck of the week? Why are you talking, Gabe Kepler, about spitting as your biggest concern in all this? Like, that's that's how players have to adjust. It's not how they're going to alter their batting practice or regular practice or camaraderie or how the catcher and umpire are going to stand near each other. It's the spitting. That's like, say all, end all. That's the biggest problem we're facing. Dude, come on. You got to be smarter than that. But it's Gabe Kepler, so who knows? Right. He's already been fired once. <laughs> Probably going to be fired the second time. It's a weird hire, I think. But uh, anyway, so that that did touch on a trigger of mine, though, because everyone, you know, there's been all of this talk about, oh, well, is it even worth having a baseball season? It's going to be a shorter season. Things are going to be different. Divisions aren't going to be the same. Like, is the World Series champion going to be, you know, have an asterisk next to it, blah, blah, blah. And none of that stuff really affected me. Like, in my mind, I'm like, look, it's a shorter season. Right now, we're in a point in baseball where the best teams, especially in the AL, they're going to probably have their division tracked up midway through a regular season anyway. So to me, the games don't matter that much. Like maybe it screws the second wild card and it's someone else because they had a hot start. But I don't think the division winners, especially in the AL, probably the Dodgers as well, um, and really the Braves. Like I think five of the six division winners, it wouldn't matter if they played 82 or 162. No, so, I agree. Yeah, so none of that stuff's bothered me. What does bother me, though, what upsets me is thinking about stuff like walk-off celebrations, because you're right. They're going to have to alter that, and that's like I live for that type of celebration, and now I'm not going to be able to see all a bunch of grown men jump on each other and rip their clothes off. Um, and that's, really that's the best, waiting for them to come, everybody in the crowd, you know, unless you're Kendrys Morales, that's another story, but 
you know, it's fun. Like you said, it's, it's one of the few times you get to see players have fun. You know, right. they, they, oh, everything's out the window. They're excited. They just won the game on a walk-off hit, whatever, and they're just having a shitload of fun. And, and we as fans love that feel, love that feeling, you know, of, wow, these guys are just having fun. You're a fan. You're going apeshit in your living room. You're matching their intensity. And, you know, that's part of the beauty of the game. Right. And, and there's the proof. There's my walk. <laughs> there's a walk off right there. That's uh, or that's a World Series champion celebration. I'm going to miss that if that can't happen. Probably no Gatorade either, I would think, because they're like drinking it, touching hey, it. Right. it. Yeah. Gatorade baths. So that's the stuff that upsets me. But other than that, like 82 games, 162, like, you know, I don't I'm not lobbying for baseball to like, cut their season in half going forward. But we do know that the seasons have been different games over history. They've been 154. They've been 162. They've been different games. Um, not this drastic, but they've been different. No one cares about the champion. 95, no one remembers that the Braves should have a little bit of an asterisk next to their name because they didn't play the last two weeks of the season or two months or whatever. Or first, like, I said, first like, I said before, like I said before, there's only one team that will win the championship championship that will have people bitching and moaning saying hey it's not a real championship and it's the Yankees if the Yankees win there'll be all this bitching and moaning complaining oh it's fake it's not a real shit they're the only team everyone else everyone will be fine with the Yankees win we'll hear all that you know that BS it is absolutely true that's why I'm planting the seeds now in Dong City on May 25th that I am on record even if the Yankees don't win the World Series as this is an official winner I'm completely okay with it um, but I fully intend on not everyone feeling that way if the Yankees win. Yeah. Uh, the only one who has an asterisk next to their name really probably ever for me is the 2017 Houston Astros. So <laughs> just have to live with that. So, um, yeah. I, and, you know, there's some discussion in the conversations about teams who would have the advantage we went over that last week. I mean, Oakland, you know, I'll say this. Oakland's probably had a better shot at winning the West than the Astros. Yeah. Uh, with a shortened season. Now, uh, they don't have a good shot with a long season either, but... I had the A's taking that division this year anyway. In my yeah. Uh, a team like the Reds, probably a great example. They can win that NL Central. Um, now, again, I don't even know if a longer, shorter season would matter, matter in these cases, because if the Reds made the playoffs either way, I wouldn't be like, oh, that's shocking. Right. Um, so, unless we see, like, a Royals or, like, a uh, Marlins make the play or Pirates make the playoffs, like, I don't give a shit. They, they're always kind of in it until right around that trade deadline, and then they do yeah. what to do. Does that factor in for you, too, that, um, you know, does it factor into you if we wake up and it's October and we've got, like, two or three really, really random teams who had no shot on a regular season? Does that change things for you, or is it you have to draw the line in the sand now? No, no. I think it's whoever wins is the champion. I mean, you know, this is the season This is the season we're playing. This is the hand that's dealt. If we play, we play until 80 games, 90 games, whatever the number is. And if they win, they win. They still have to play a playoff series. You know, managers still have to manage. Players still have to produce. So, you know, yeah. I, would love, I would love if, you know, some team who rarely competes comes out of the blue and, and ends up in the, the World Series. You know, I, I don't think it'll happen. But it, I wouldn't, uh, you know, grind my teeth or bitch about it, so... I think it's just as silly if you make the case, hey, the wild card plan, like take the 2018 Yankees, for example, they win 100 games, they have to win a wild card plane. I could have easily made a case in 2018 if they lost that game to the A's that there should be an asterisk next to the Red Sox because they didn't play, like the Yankees had the second best record and they had to play a play-in, one game play Three straight years, the Pirates had to play a wild card game and lost in two of those three years. They were one of the best teams in the whole league. Yeah, so to me, the playoffs are the much bigger picture to focus on if you want to go about sample size. And this year, it's offsetting that because you have a much longer postseason now. You're going to have an extra round of the postseason now with 14 teams, seven in each division. So to me, if you can get through that daunting postseason, 82 games doesn't really matter. I mean, we, we all know as baseball fans, there's a lot of padding in the regular season. It's mostly for stats. Exactly. You beat up on the, you beat up on the shit teams when you can. You, know, you give you guys a couple days off. Yeah, so I don't mind at all the 82-game season. I think whoever's champion is champion, especially if they can get through this postseason. This postseason might be more accurate than years before because there's no one-game sample size play in, and you've got a, uh, a longer series, you know, longer series and stuff. So, you know, five-game ALDS, again, well, if it goes seven, like the ALCS and World Series, 
we may have different outcomes in, the, in a five-game series. We're not bitching about that. So, to me, there's not really much of a case to put an asterisk next to the champion this year. The, the teams that excel, I think, you'll see, are, are the teams that have, have deep farm systems and, and have players that are major league ready. So, you that may – 20-player taxi squad is going to be big. You're yeah. going to see uh, a crappy trade deadline, I think. You're not I gonna don't know if you'll see much of any trade. I agree with you. I think it'll be maybe role players. You're not going to see a lot of action. You're going to see guys – who may have been traded being called up to see if they can contribute somehow this year. Yeah. And Eric actually, and welcome to, to, uh, to watching Eric. I think this might, might be his first time. I don't want to insult you if it's not, but he brings up a great point. And I said this in 2017 too. Yankees Dodgers in 2017 would have been a great follow-up to Cubs Indians ratings wise. Yankees mm -hmm. Dodgers this year would be a fantastic way for baseball to get back on their feet Absolutely. with everything they've gone through. Um, well, they, so wouldn't I, know, they wouldn't know who to root against. I mean, everyone loves to hate the Yankees, but there's a lot of teams and a lot of fans that hate the Dodgers too. Yeah, the East Coast, West Coast, the two biggest, two of the biggest payrolls. Um, you know, the, the Dodgers have been there obviously twice recently. Yankees in their longest drought since the 80s without making the World Series. So uh, there's a lot of storylines that go into that. Mookie the Dodgers trying to get over the Dodgers trying to get over pulling. Yep. Yeah. Clayton Kershaw, another postseason he's going to have to go through. Uh, there's a lot going on there. Garrett Cole would return to the World Series, try and win it this time with a different team. I mean, there's a lot going on there. That's a, a very juicy World Series matchup, probably the best one you can think of. Um, Leon had mentioned earlier he thinks that this could benefit the Nationals. They might, re they could repeat. I think he was being somewhat facetious, but I will say this, Leon. I think the Nationals are going to get screwed on the front end, not the back end, as far as pitching goes. Just like the Red Sox. Red Sox threw everyone's arms out to win that 2018 World Series, which I'm sure they don't regret. But 2019, I told everyone who would listen the day after the World Series, Red Sox are, are going to struggle pitching wise next year because of what they did to those pitchers. If you recall, I said Henry said they missed not going to make the playoffs yeah. and they were going to be a bad team, and everyone thought I was nuts. I, yeah, I had him winning the wild card. I figured the offense would be enough in a regular season. But Henry went a step further, said they wouldn't even make the playoffs, and he was right. Um, and the reason I felt weak about them was because of the pitching, with Evaldi pitching the way he was. He was already injury-prone. He basically throws his arm out, getting him in bullpen appearances. David Price, wrong side of 30, pitching what he did. Chris Sale pitching essentially hurt. Um, all of that was just a recipe for disaster. It turned out that way. I think the Nationals would be the same way. Yeah, Scherzer, slowly and quietly, he's been injury prone. I don't, he's been on the I, the ILDL, whatever he's you call it. actually been hurt more than Strasburg, who has the moniker yes. of being the pitcher that's always yeah. hurt. No one wants to talk about Scherzer because he's got this like Nolan Ryan type personality, but he's been hurt and he just had a long postseason. Strasburg had a ridiculous postseason in terms of his usage. And even Patrick Corbin, who's been a pillar of health recently, he was coming in left and right in relief appearances. Yeah. And now you're not getting a normal spring training either. Wait, so, coming in left and right in relief appearances after getting shelled starting. Yeah, right. Shell. I think he lasted less than two innings. Yeah. So, uh, so yes, they've had a longer layoff. But I still I – from what I've researched on pitcher injuries, that's not the way it works. Um, I think the usage is still going to get to them. And – you now don't have a normal spring training. I'm calling an audible. What's up? Leon, you are right, my man. Aaron Judge's girlfriend. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> that's a good one, yes. Yeah, that's a good one, Leon. Yeah, she, quickly, you know, who, don't know, who don't know, she was pulled over. She was drunk. Uh, she was not with Aaron Judge. And she throws the, do you know who my boyfriend is? And the cops are like, we don't give a shit. Turn around and you're under arrest. And it, it was just brutal. And, of course, you know, the, the media, since she's Aaron Judge's girlfriend, immediately attached him to that. He was not in the car. He was not with her. But, yes, please, just shut the fuck up. Yeah, that's, that's a bad one. Um, I don't know if I count her because she's not a Major League Baseball employee. But, uh, yes, absolutely. She, she gets thrown into that conversation for pulling. She is servicing a Major League Baseball employee, so she counts. Yeah. She, <laughs> you know, it's one thing to say, do you know who I am? Like, that's douchey enough. But to right. be like, do you know who my boyfriend is? Like, I'm irrelevant, but I am relevant, you know, by yeah. osmosis, by second degree. Do you know who's dong I take care of? <laughs> yeah. Right. I like, take care of the biggest like, dong you know in the who league. I sleep with? Yeah. It's, yeah, that's bad. 
Um, I don't know her name, but she is absolutely in that category. So, yeah. So <laughs> that may, that's a good segue into the ugly here <laughs> because that was an ugly comment. Samantha Brakshik. That's her name? Yeah. Oh All right. Her mugshot is brutal. Her mugshot is just says I'm an alky all over it. <laughs> Aaron learning, uh, learning the hard way about the New York life <laughs> with the, what he's going to have to deal with. Cause I, yeah, I feel like he, if he, if he's in Kansas city and his girlfriend's getting pulled over for a DUI, you probably never find out. <laughs> she may not even get pulled over. She's uh, like, do you know who my boy, wait, never, not even people in baseball know who my boyfriend yeah, is. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, you can't, you're, yeah, that is bad. Speaking of bad, um, we get into the ugly here. Now this, this is something I had an entire type of argument I was going to make, and now I have to make the complete opposite argument. So let's walk through that timeline real quick, Henry, because you reacted to me on Facebook like I had six heads when I reacted the way I did. But now you know why I reacted the way I did, so let's get into that. So we were talking privately about uh, Chipper Jones, uh, well, Chipper Jones and, and Tom Glavin both made comments, but we were specifically talking about a Chipper Jones quote, and I said something to Vince. Well, I'm glad he said that because he's right, and Vince was like, no, he wasn't. He sounds like an idiot, and I'm just kind of like, I don't know. He's not. He's perfectly, yeah, and we're, going, and we're going through it before the show, and what do we find, Vince? The comment was altered. The comment was actually doctored. In the comment the- that was in quotes was yes. altered. So... We'll just leave it at Tim. <laughs> Post the meme in Baseball Life. And the meme in Baseball Life is the quote, in quotes, of Chipper Jones. And he's saying the comment, he's saying a comment, and there were basically two words left out of it, which I didn't realize. So I read this comment on Baseball Life, which is, um, in all, I don't have it in front of me, but I can paraphrase based on what was left out of it. It says, basically, in all honesty, I'm a little less optimistic than I was 10 days, two weeks ago, after listening to some key players coming out and speaking out on it. They continue to quabble over dollars and cents, salaries, revenue sharing, and all that kind of stuff. There's 30 million people out there that's out of work, and the last thing they want to hear about is a bunch of millionaires squabble over maybe getting 30 to 35% of their salaries this year. That was the quote in quotes, in a meme in baseball life that was shared. And that's the quote I reacted to because that was the only thing I had seen. I didn't read the actual quote when Henry said that Chipper was right. Because I'm like, first of all, you're a former player. And second of all, everyone's squabbling in this situation, not just the players. So, like, why are you going after the players like Mark Teixeira did? I didn't agree with it when he did it either. So, I immediately am angry. And if you've watched the show before, you know how I feel about this case. I'm almost always going to side with the players because that's what makes sense. So, Vince, what, what were the two magical words that were left off? And billionaires. So if you go back to that quote in Baseball Life, which was controversial in itself, that entire post, and billionaires was left out of the quote. He actually says there's 30 million people out there, out there that's out of work, and the last thing I want to hear is a bunch of millionaires and billionaires squabble over maybe, maybe getting 30 to 35% of their salaries this year. Right. So Henry's reacting to that, and I'm reacting to the minus and billionaires, and he's like, what the hell's wrong? Like, why are you so angry about this? He's right. And I'm on this, like, I already had this whole thing, Henry, formed in my head. I'm like, he's from the Braves organization. All they do is screw their players out of money from scouting. That's what their whole controversy was over, was they were packaging players, screwing them out of signing bonuses. Ozzy Albies sets the players back 50 years with his ridiculous extension Acuna signs for below market value I'm like I'm about to rip the Braves apart then you have Chipper who actually played during a strike season yeah Chipper's a rookie last time there was a strike shortage they were squabbling over preventing a salary cap so like where the hell is he getting off blaming the players and I find out that his quote makes absolute sense yeah, that is the last thing 30 million people out of work want to see is a bunch of millionaires and billionaires. Yeah, he's thinking logically. He's thinking logically. No one wants to hear what you have to bitch about when it comes to money. And this is why I say the owners leaking that information just suck. It's, it's a shit move. You know, yeah. leaking that info sucks because this is what you get. And they're right. People don't want to hear millionaires and billionaires cry over money when there's people sitting at home waiting for the next unemployment check to hit running out of unemployment, can't find a job. If they had a job, their place isn't open yet. The last thing they want to do is hear people complain about money. So yes, Chipper Jones in this instance is right. So you have to eat that one. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was wrong, but 
to my credit, I did read the quote correctly. It's just I didn't cross-reference it, which is and always people, what I this is just, a, just a reminder, people, if it's on a meme, it doesn't necessarily mean it's true. Yeah. I just never expected that to happen to baseball. <laughs> never, well, like, why take that quote out of context? It was so unnecessary. Um, and then it and cost because you, Like you said, that, that post was a little controversial. And, and you look back, and you can see the side that people were taking. Like, yo, he sounds like a complete douchebag right now. Yeah. And it didn't, everyone would have just agreed if that was the actual meme that was in there. Everyone would have been like, yeah, we're, we're tired of them squabbling. Exactly. Um, now, some fans take it an extra step. They're like, just cancel the season. Like, there's no agreement. I think that's ridiculous. They're in negotiation stages. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean I like it, though. And no one else does. Like, you know, yeah. it's, it is squabbling. A bunch of people have more money than us talking about money. No one wants to hear that. Exactly. Or taste. Um, and he was absolutely right, by the way, to call out Blake Snell. We talked about that last week. Blake Snell's comments were tone deaf. They were stupid. He, the way he phrased it was dumb. It, it's alienating. Um, and we talked about that last week. So he comes out. He said that uh, it wasn't a great look for the players. And he was right. It wasn't a great look for the players. I know why Snell said it, but it wasn't I a great look. completely forgot another shut the fuck up candidate, which I've been meaning to touch on because everyone knows in baseball, like, I think this guy is one of the most overrated players in the game. Nolan Arenado. Uh, did he say something? He said that in regards to Blake Snell, he made a lot of good points. He didn't. There are some points that he made that were true. Some of them, yes. That are facts. Yes. Same thing. You said it twice. A lot of gets misinterpreted. You can't get misinterpreted when it's on video, dick. Trying to get the public to understand us. Us. When he just signed this massive, massive what? <laughs> 300 plus million dollar contract? Two, two, us. 279 or something? 279. Right. Trying to, to get the public to understand us, it's not going to work very well in our favor. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. This, we said this last week. We'll reiterate it again. The, uh, the players need to stay out of the media. And it's not, this isn't like a shut up and dribble like with LeBron James. All right. Like I, LeBron is very well spoken and, uh, and he's very PR savvy. He can say anything he wants as far as I'm concerned because I'm not about censoring players from political opinions. I think that's perfectly fine. They have a platform to do it and do it. This isn't that situation, though. This is a situation where the players really do need to shut up and let, let the process play out because this is what the owners do is they just leak these little bombs and then that sets off the players to say things that are stupid. And then you have fans taking the side of the owners, which makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, and, and then they're, now they are even using a, a page out of the GOP playbook, changing these memes around. So it's a, it, is, it is psychological warfare going on right now. And the players really just need to stay on the sidelines right now and let their lawyers take care of things. Reel them in, shut up, let the lawyers and the, and the actual uh, team reps do what they do. And you guys, you want to interact with fans online, fine. Don't talk about the negotiations. Talk about everything else. Yeah. Completely agree. Talk so about those, show talk about Dancing with Stars, that new reality show where people are vying to get the chick pregnant. Whatever you want to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Stay, stick to that type of stuff for now. For now, and then you can go back. You know, afterwards, you want to talk about the blow by blow. That's fine. But yeah. right now, just let 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 the people who are experts on this take care of it. Baseball players, not the sharpest tool in the shed. I can tell you, I. Uh, <laughs> One of my last courses of journalism in, in broadcast journalism in college, the uh, the professor stands up and he goes, who would you think are the smartest athletes? And, you know, some people said um, baseball, some people said football. <laughs> and he's like, and just said, I'll never forget this. This is straight, straight face. He's like, baseball players are probably the dumbest athletes in sports. <laughs> and I looked at him and I was like, really? Like they don't seem as dumb as some other athletes, which, you know, probably can take that however you want to back then. But he said, yeah, if you look at it statistically, the high majority of baseball players never graduate college. Whereas with football, a lot of them do. Mm -hmm. And he actually said, and he said, hockey players are actually the smartest because almost all of them graduate college. And they're very good colleges. So like Ivy League hockey teams are very good at, at hockey. So you're talking very high caliber colleges and most of them graduate. Baseball, almost no one graduates college. Uh, you can get into the demographics further than that. You know, they're from a lot of dumb Southern states, educational wise. But, it, you know, just talking simply from a graduation rate standpoint, they need to let lawyers and, and whatnot do the talking. That's the moral of the story here.
Not to mention ho- some hockey players come from other countries that have like good ac- actual good. Yeah, education. yeah, <laughs> yeah. You have great education in, in Canada and stuff like that. A lot of them are from there, so um, absolutely. They're also the best interviews that I can vouch for. They they are very well spoken, very analytical. Um, Not to mention, who doesn't want to see like missing teeth when you're interviewing a hockey player? Right. Yeah. So the hockey players look a lot dumber than they are for those reasons. I mean, I think they've they've done a little bit better. You can get fake teeth now. I think a lot of them do that. They have the visors and the and better mouthpieces, stuff like that. But uh, yeah, they look a lot dumber than they actually are hockey players. And in reality, on the athlete scale, pretty intelligent. So, so that's that's the ugly. Is <laughs> uh, Chipper Jones actually was right. Um, he did talk about, like I said, Blake Snell in there. He was right about that. The only thing I kind of disagreed with Chipper on was the part where he talks about um, there being a, he's afraid there's a bigger divide now and that he's less optimistic about playing. I think the progress we've seen is what I expected. And I think I'm more optimistic there's going to be baseball because they're on, they're like right on, you know, they're on the, the goal line just about. Yeah. Maybe not that, they're in the red zone, put it that way. So, I, I disagree with Shipper there. I think that I'm very optimistic with the progress. They've got a whole nother week. And as we've seen, when they want to agree on stuff, it, it can happen like that. <laughs> so I'm not worried about that. Yeah. So now we get into the last part of this money-wise, which is that, is it Barry Axelrod? I can't remember his first name now. I think so. Yeah. So, um, and he's an agent. He comes yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. I don't have the article in front of me, but... Um, I don't either, but I, I have the synopsis of, of the plan. And yeah, why don't, you, why don't you explain it and we can talk about that real quick. Um, let me see here. It's in the athletic no, article. And you have the article. But, uh... Uh, he talks about, which I, I think is a horrible precedent to set, is, is deferring money to yes. next season or, you know, after this season. It doesn't necessarily say next season. And basically playing for free. Um, is it for free though, or is it just deferring some of the money to like tie them over? Let me rephrase that. Yes. I'm sorry. It's not free. It's deferring some money. They'll get a portion of what they were due. And then in a future season down the road, the players will reimburse the, I'm sorry, the owners will reimburse the players with some sort of, uh, interest, I assume, or, or, you know, tax deferred interest or whatever. Um, I, I just think that sets a horrible precedence. It's basically an honor system. I don't care how much legal mumbo jumbo you have in front of you. I just think it sets a bad precedence asking the players to take less money for deferment. That is the the Washington Nationals' favorite look. Um, yeah, I was going to say there is a precedent already. There have been plenty of players who have done it. Yeah, but now you're asking everybody to do it. Right. And, and when players who do it, they already sign a massive, massive deal. So they defer. 50 million, 100 million in exchange for what, 200 up front? You know, they're still getting their money. I think the dangerous part is that the players didn't agree on this ahead of time, and you're taking what is owed to them already, and you're deferring that, as opposed to when you're a player who accepts deferred money in a contract, you agree to what you are being paid in the, in the present, and you're agreeing to what's being deferred. In this case, you're not agreeing to what's being paid in the present you are accepting deferred money. And I agree, there's a slippery slope there. And the main reason, the, the, the caveat I would throw in there is if the players did agree to something like that, and it is their own idea, mm-hmm. you know, their own idea too is talking about deferred money. Pay us everything you agreed to pay us, but we'll take it when things turn back around. You have to put a deadline on that of before the CBA expires. Yeah, you can't let it go into contract negotiations for the next CBA if you do, you have a major disadvantage. Yeah. Um, something else I would include in there if I were the players or if I was a representative for some of the lesser paid players, I would put a caveat in there. If you're in your rookie deal, you still get 100% of your money. It doesn't make sense to ask a rookie who's getting paid $550,000, which is the league minimum, hey, we're going to give you a portion of your money now and then the rest later. I think you have to pay all those players who are um, pre-arb, Mm-hmm. I think the players who are in their odd contracts, you should probably pay them in full too. And then yeah, the guys, yep. and then the guys who are making their money on their free agent deals, let them take the hit because that's the bulk of, you know, the, the, uh, the union members. Yeah, that I agree. That should be where the deferred comes in. If you're on a free agent contract, that's who gets deferred pre-arb and arb don't touch. They get their arb and pre-arb years. I mean, the, this is what the players do poorly usually is they don't take care of those guys enough. Um, they only look out for the guys making the most money 
and you can do the most damage, I think, in pre-arb and arb because those are easier numbers for owners to deal with. Imagine how stupid Blake Snell comments would sound now if he were to get a portion of his money in this deferred. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I, I think that if you can put the caveat, because here's the thing, if you don't put that caveat, then when you go to the negotiating table, the owners are just going to roll, they're good businessmen, they're going to roll that money back into what they owe you. You're going to end up getting screwed. But if you're going to sit there, take your money, put it in high interest yielding money markets and, and different vehicles that have just yield them a shitload of interest, then give you your money back and say, hey, thanks for the interest. Right. And the players should really be playing that on the owner. You can pay us back deferred with, with interest. Okay. <laughs> same, same thing. That's our business. You know, that's what I would say. I mean, if I gave you, if I lent you, you know, $20, I didn't know who you were. I would expect, you know, pay me back 25 or 20 bucks. That's how banks work. Um, that's how lending. Overall, I think it's a horrible, horrible idea. Yeah. So I, I think like it's, I said, I, it, was, it was a player's idea. Right. And if it gets the job done, fine, but they really should put a stipulation in there, whether contractual or not, that this has to be paid back to us, though, by the end of the 2021 season. Then we go to the negotiation tables at an even playing ground. Um, and that probably, you know, that, that to me is a goodwill gesture from both sides. Players say, yeah, you pay us next year. Owners pay them next year. And you're, going, you're in a little bit of a better headspace going to those what will definitely be contentious negotiations next year. I wonder if this was their way to work around the revenue sharing, the players. Yeah, well, I think it is. I think that they rejected revenue sharing. That is the absolute hill they're willing to die on. They will not accept it. It's stupid. Yeah. It's really stupid because baseball makes a shitload of money. You want yeah, the final, you want a portion of the final revenues. I think their feeling is that that's a precursor to a salary cap, and they're probably right because that's how the other leagues have also gone towards the salary cap. Mm. But um, I agree in that, you know, it's it's like a sale a sales job to me. Like, would you say I don't want commission? Like, no, you would exactly. definitely want commission. So to me, that it's not much different. Um, as long as. Yeah, I, I mean, as long as they're not, like, deflating salaries in exchange for it, then fine. But I don't know. So that's what I would say is protect yourself if you're going to go that route. It seems to be that they want to go that route. I'm hoping they have the sense to also protect themselves when they do it. Um, and if that's the compromise we need where you're not doing the revenue sharing because that's the absolute hill the players are willing to die on and you're not getting your full salary as the owners already agreed to, that's the hill they're willing to die on. If that's the resolution, yeah, not my money. So, fine. Um, now we get into the fallout here, and this is what Matt Whelan has been waiting for this entire show, if he's still watching, and that is that uh, we want to talk. So, however this plays out, there's going to be a lot of fallout from this, the way this season goes. We've already seen a little bit of it where Universal DH has been agreed to. It's going to be implemented. That was probably not happening this year unless we ran into this COVID-type situation where now we got to intermingle the leagues. And so, therefore, Universal DH makes the most sense, and you're protecting the pitchers. All fine. But this also, from a contract standpoint, which we just talked about, this goes across everyone. A guy like Mookie Betts is in a bad spot now. He's got half a season to prove himself in a pitcher's park going from Fenway, which is a hitter's park. Now, Mookie's got really good road splits, so I don't know how much it'll affect him. But still, when your home park's not Fenway, there's going to be some question marks there. And Mookie's going to the Dodgers, great lineup, but he's only going to do it for 82 games. If Mookie has any sort of injury, we're talking about 60 games. So he's in a tough spot going into a free agency year. You have a guy like Aaron Judge who is heading into his final RB year after this season. Um, he's going to be in a little bit of a rough spot if he can't get on the field and play because he only has so much time to prove he can stay healthy. Yep. And then you've got the guys even below that in pre-ARB who are heading into ARB. And they need, you know, that ARB number is set on the previous year's success rate. So if you only have half a season, all of that's getting affected. Yeah, all that is uh, prorated. And you didn't touch on guys in the minor leagues who are looking to catch a break in the major leagues. That's also affected. Yeah. So, so their, you, their values are, are, are lessened now. A Clint, I've said before, Clint Frazier, you know, that guy where – Yeah, Tyler you know, Wade. Yeah, you kind of felt where the Yankees – and teams have those guys that are like, okay, this is it for you. This is your shot. Those guys, they're like, okay, where do we stand now? 
Yeah. You imagine being 24, 25 years old, you're right on the, on the precipice of being a major leaguer. This is your year to prove yourself. Now you've got half a season. I mean, Clint will obviously, he's probably going to be on the, on the 30 man, if not the, definitely well, the that, taxi squad. That's what I'm saying. It's going to affect them because now managers are going to manage the game differently. You're going yep. to use all 30 of your players. You're going to use as many as possible because you want to give guys some time off who may not have been game ready when they, when the season starts. So you know, he'll get less playing time. Yeah. Uh, I think that um, especially with the Yankees, I mean, Boone's going to end up benching. It's going to make opposite sense to me. Boone will end up benching these guys more because he hasn't, he's, fearing that they'll get injured in a non-routine schedule. Even though they're only playing 82 games, they should be playing every single day. And he'll play judge every day, he'll get hurt. Right, yeah. And Brett Gardner will play every day and bat leadoff somehow, even though he's 37 years old. And um, but I, I, I think a lot of that 30 man is going to be relievers, though. The, the rumors I've seen, I think it's speculation, I don't think there's anything official to it, is that managers will probably only go like four to five innings to their pitchers. Um. So you may see a lot of relievers. In that case, teams with bullpens and high-end pitching arms are going to really benefit Tampa Bay. <laughs> yeah, I get it. But that in, in a, that might hurt guys, too. Because yeah. now if you're a starting pitcher, you're not preparing for throwing 100 to 120 pitches in six or seven innings. Now you're sitting there thinking, well, you know, I can go bulldog mode for four innings. And they start to overthrow and they start to, you know, they have the wrong arm slots. And you're going to see injuries left and right this season. Imagine if you're Garrett Cole and this is your walk year instead of last year. Absolutely. I mean, that, you're talking $100 million possibly that, that this could be different. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot going on salary-wise. Now, here's the other thing. We just talked about the universal DH. Rule changes. I haven't heard anything else in this regard, so it leads me to believe maybe it's not going to happen. But we've been talking about how this is going to be largely an experimental season in some yeah. regards. Now, the Universal DH actually did happen. That was something we brought up months ago. Um, the shortened season by default is going to happen. There's been those early rumors. I haven't seen any updates as far as pickoff moves being, like, banned <laughs> because of social distancing. Um, I don't know if that's still a thing or not. Um, but then you have things like pitch clock. You have things like shift, which if you're ever going to ban the shift and if you're ever going to enforce a pitch clock, now's the time to do it. Um, to experiment with it. No. Now, this is where no. we disagree. No. No. It doesn't happen as often as it should, but we very heavily disagree here. It yeah. was also a hot topic in baseball life. And no, then, this was in the, uh, in the admin chat. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, it, yeah, and it was a post in baseball life as far as the, um, as far as the shift goes. Now, I am 100% in support of limiting shifts. I don't think you should ban it completely. You don't have to stay at their position, but the whole one side of the bag thing, two, two guys on one side, I'm completely okay with that. I think it's better for the sport and you disagree. You didn't say that earlier. You didn't say that aspect of it, but I am a fan of the shift. I often say baseball is poetry in motion. Even when there is no motion, baseball is the most beautiful thing. Things are happening when nothing is happening. And that includes the shift. You have a guy who can only pull a ball to the right side of the field. He can do nothing else. All his stats have proven that this guy cannot for the life of him go the other way. If you're not going to go the other way, if you can't go the other way, I'm going to expose your weakness as a manager. And if that means employing the shift, that's what I'm going to do. If you hit into that shift 10 out of 10 times, that's on you to make the adjustments, not me. I made the adjustments to get you out. By the way, for everyone who argues with me on Facebook and you think that you're like making me very angry or upset, I usually react and it seems like I'm angry or upset. That face you just saw was exactly <laughs> my face when I'm reading people disagree with me on Facebook. It is very, very unemotional. But what I'll say to you is I, so this is why I vehemently disagree with the shifts as they are now. Um, again, if you want to have like a right fielder come in and play deep infield, I'm okay with that. If you, you know, deep second base, if you want to have the first baseman play near second, I'm okay with that. Where I'm not okay with it is when you have three infielders on the right side and you're essentially making a, like a goaltender, if you will, on the right side. And the reason is two things. One is that there is no empirical evidence at any point now that players can beat the shift. Like everyone is like, oh, beat the shift, beat the shift, just hit it to the left side, bunt, do whatever you want to do. You know, David Ortiz, lay down a bunt, whatever. Like, I heard that for years. There's nothing 
And we've had shifts now since like 2013, I would say they started getting popular. Um, we have had nothing that proves that you can beat a shift consistently. You know, there's a few hitters who probably can, but, and Matt brought this up earlier in the, in the comments section, like Mike Trout's one of the most complete hitters in baseball. He eats the shift sometimes and they shift on him. There's nothing that indicates you can take a 98 mile per hour slider from a righty into a lefty and he can hit it to left field. It's just not something that is realistic. So why do we keep suggesting that's the answer? Yes, it is. What? Based on what? So if a player can go the other way, which a lot of them, they, they can. They're just, players are programmed to pull. Everyone wants to pull because when you pull, you have the most power. It's um, natural physics, yeah. You're one of these guys who just have like absurd opposite field power, but natural power is pulling it. Everyone wants to hit a home run. If you are line to line hitter and you can go the other way and you do it enough that they have to stop shifting on you, now you can start pulling again. I don't see that as a stop shifting, though. I think they would just adjust either A, how they shift, or B, how the pitcher approaches you to shift. Because if you're, you know, if a pitcher's throwing you an outside pitch and, yeah, maybe a guy like Robinson Cano just takes it down the left field line as a lefty, fine. Mm-hmm. But the next time, they're just going to come in on you. It, like, how are you going to tell someone, hey, take this 100-mile-per-hour fastball, which almost everyone can throw now, on the inside corner to a lefty and hit it to left field? and do it consistently enough where they stop shifting on you. It makes no sense. You have to make the adjustments. If you're batter, you have to change where you're standing in the box. You have to look for different pitches. You have but to not everyone's they're going to hit. And here's my other problem. Okay, fine. That's your solution. But why, why do we want them to beat the shift? What do you mean? Like, why, why are we rooting for players to beat the shift? You're not rooting for them. They're, you're saying if they want to succeed, they have to make the adjustments. Yeah, but are you okay with the shift being as effective as it is now? Like, to me, the, my main problem with the shift is that it makes the sport worse to watch. There's more outs. There are, there's less activity on the base paths. And that's a different it boring. I get it. If you, want, if you want to say, hey, you know, um, we need more offense, I get it. But we're also getting that with Universal DH. Getting universal yeah, that's, that's we're, fair. We're, we're gonna have a shot in the arm with offense. For the when NL I, though. Like the AL already has a DH. It's not too I love, I absolutely love the idea that there's strategy going on that says, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna play to your weakness. It's up to you to make those adjustments. I I just love that. See, I view it as more strategy. The pitcher has to pitch you differently if everyone's playing their normal positions. But the pitcher is going to pitch you a very specific way. If you, have got, you have pitchers. CC Sabathia used to always – he hated this shift behind them, and he would say, no, stay in normal position. I'll make the adjustments as the pitcher. I love that. But, again, that has to – that's that cat-and-mouse game in baseball that will always go on. To me, the problem is that everyone's like, well, players should just beat the shift. Well, you want them to beat the shift because you want them to get on base. So if you want them to get on base and beat the shift, why not just outlaw the shift and they're already beating it because there's no shift? Like the the better aspect here is not, I like the shift because I like that it's effective and makes outs. It's that I like the shift because I like that hitters will have to force a change to it. But if we're, not, if we're rooting for the change, why keep the rule? Like, that part doesn't make sense. And I'll give you an example. I don't think you're rooting for the change. I think you're rooting for the best possible outcome, depending on what side of the fence you're on. If you're the, if you're the offense and these guys are playing that shift and you have runners on, you know, first and second, and you can't move them over because you can't for the life of you go the opposite way and all you're going to do is pull into a double play probably, that's your problem. You have to make that adjustment. I, I look at it more from an entertainment standpoint, not from like an ego standpoint. Like to me, I don't care whether the players can figure out how to beat the shift. I think the fit shift is worse for viewing pleasure. And there's so many problems right now with major. I, I get, look, I, I get that. I just, I, you know, I, I love the idea of the strategy behind it. Yeah, fine. It's, I, just, it's like, a chess match. Just, just like the strategy of a pitcher trying to hit. Like I, I, I respect the strategy. No, I that's think. horrible. That's just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah double switches like let me come right now everywhere that 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 is a hill i will not die on because it's stupid it's it yeah like that's that's kind of how i feel and randy what we're trying to avoid is hitting the ball over the fence like that can't be the solution to everything i want more than the outcomes walks and strikeouts involved well, actually randy's right because we had more home runs last year than any other season in baseball so people said fuck his shift and here's a home run so yeah i don't get the doctor baseball though. I don't like the three outcomes. That's my biggest problem with the shift is it, it makes more, it makes less successful outcomes. I like singles. I like doubles. I like shit. Well, like that. Here's the thing for me with the shift. I think if you use the shift more, 
then it'll start an organizational change. I think players in the minors will learn how to probably go line to line more. So once you start that from the mind, it's hard for a guy who's been a six or seven year vet who has probably spent three or four years in the, in the minors, you know, nine years combined to make that change. It's going to be hard for that guy. It's, he can't do it, honestly. That's the if, high majority of players, though. If you tell a guy who is in double A, hey, we're going to work on going opposite field because you're a dead pole hitter. And in the major leagues, these guys are going to shift on you. You're forcing that guy to add to his, um, his expertise and add to his hit tool. The problem is, and maybe to your point, this will change in the future. The problem is at the major league level, what's going to get you that eight-figure contract is hitting home runs. If you're a 230 hitter and you hit 50 home runs, you're going to get a hundred million. You're going to get hundreds of millions of dollars as opposed to if you're a 310 hitter and you're hitting 15. We we also value on base and those things more than we ever have before. We want to see a guy get on base 360 plus, you know? Look at a look at a DJ LeMahieu and a Michael Brantley. Those are guys you can't really shift because they're such professional hitters. Exactly. And then look at a guy like Stanton, and who got more money? <laughs> you know that's what I mean. Well, Stanton, you know, he got a massive contract. He's won an MVP. Right. Pulls a lot of power. He did. Yeah. Take a Stanton light. Take a guy who doesn't who can't hit for any sort of average, but still can hit. You know, fifty home runs. Like a, a Joey Gallo. Is that? I was, a- gonna, I, I was actually going to use Joey Gallo against you because Joey Gallo is a perfect argument because he's made the adjustment so much in his game that he's gone from an atrocious hitter to a really damn good hitter. He does a little bit of everything now. Where before he was just pulling home runs left and right. He, yes, he has become a more complete hitter while hitting in Texas. Um, and he, he uh, made the adjustments he did, but not everyone can do that exactly. That well, that's, that's a the beauty of it. Joey Gallo now is a better player to watch, though. And you're asking for basically a lot more of the old Joey Gallos to stick around because they're going to make more money and they're not going to be guys who are going to adjust the shift. And they make more money that way by not adjusting the shift. You adjust the shift, you kill your market value. No, I, I, I disagree. I think guys who only hit home runs, I mean, you had a, who was it a couple of years ago that led the league in home runs and had to sign a one, Chris Carter had to sign a one year deal with the Yankees and he led the league in home runs. The year before, got the fans. I mean, the teams they play. They ass. pay for more than just home runs. Yeah, I, Randy, that's my point in the comments section. Saying pitchers hitting fails most of the time. Shifting is actually a productive strategy for the defense. I'm not arguing that shifting is productive. That's my problem with it is that it's successful. I pitching hitting and shifting is the same problem to me. It's less action. It's less people on the bases, and that's my problem. I don't want so, the only runs in the game to be home runs. I want players to be on the bases. Do you like no hitters and perfect games? That's an extreme example. I like perfect games, but no hitters can be boring sometimes. I mean, the no hitter part's exciting, but you have eight walks. It's not exciting. I guarantee you, you, you look at the video of those guys who have no hitters or complete games in the last five years or so, you'll find that there's a number of outs that were created because of the shift. I doubt it. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's existed, but I doubt that's a large part of no hitters in perfect game. I'm sure, and, I'm and sure you'll find frankly, a few outs that'll be there. Quite frankly, I'm getting tired of the fact there are so many no hitters. And if the shift is one of the <laughs> why, then that's my problem. I would like there not to be three no hitters every season. It was nice when it was a novelty. Especially when the no name guys are doing them. Yeah, I got like Phil Humber was my breaking point. When Phil Humber. Did he have two? <laughs> Did yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, I think someone he an asshole had two no hitters. Like when, I, when that's I think Phil Humber had two no hitters. Yeah, when Phil Humber threw a no hitter, I was like, I'm done with. Like no hitter is not impressive anymore. Now the cycle is my new thing. I like watching the cycle, and soon that's going to be outdated. Um, you know, who, you know, who, you know who hits a lot of cycles? Guys that can go the other way against the shift. Sure, I'm not di- deny. That's very few and far between. That's why the cycle's so rare because not many guys are a hitting triples and b hitting it to all parts of the field. Yeah. But um so that that's my that's my problem with the shift. Now I don't think they're gonna put a ban on it yet. You if it's gonna happen one day, I could see that. Like I, I think it's possible it'll be at least restricted. I don't again, I don't think you should ban it completely. It is a strategy. I just think it now that it's an extreme strategy, I have enough sample size where I don't think most players are gonna break it. And I, I just it's bad like here's the other thing I compare it to. Nineteen sixty eight there was no scoring in baseball. Teams were not scoring. We had four runs a game or whatever it was. 
uh, on average. Bob Gibson had a 1.12 ERA. That winter, baseball gets together. They say, hey, the product is boring. We don't have enough outcomes here. What are we going to do? And they lower the mound five inches. And all of a sudden, baseball gets great in the 70s again. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned running into you. Uh, I'll give them a free plug, but the Roberto Clemente Museum, which I love, um, they actually have a pitching rubber um, used by uh, Bob Gibson in there. That's cool. I mean that season by Bob Gibson is absolutely incredible. Yeah. But they have a, they have a, an in-game an actual uh, pitching rubber there. Yeah, I by saw. Way, it. it wasn't Phil Humber; it was uh, Homer Bailey who had two no hitters. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, and Phil Humber did have. I think he had a perfect game, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was a perfect game. Dude, yeah. do you want to, you know who else has two no hitters? Who? Mike Fires. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll say this about Mike Fires. Besides the fact I love him for his vocal. Yeah. Mike six nine uh, fires. We're gonna call him Takashi six nine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'll say this. Yeah, about, I have to. I'll say this about Mike Fires. When he's on, he does have nasty stuff. Yeah. He's not on very often if you look at his career numbers, but when he's on, he, he's got no hit stuff. So, you know. But again, too, it's too easy to get a no hitter. It's saturating that too. But um, but yeah, that's my point. You know, Major League Baseball said, "Hey, Bob Gibson was incredible." Strategize. I'm sure they strategized to try and hit Bob Gibson that year, but instead they were like, you know what, let's lower the mound and make the product better. That's what I'm lobbying here. If it's not shifts, fine, but they have to do something because there's just there's too too little amount of outcomes and it takes too many pitches to get to those outcomes is my problem. Yeah. So I get it. I get it. I just I love the shift from the strategic standpoint. I get it maybe boring and you know, as baseball you want to do the other thing and then you want to get fans in, but I love the strategy of it. Dallas, don't touch my mound, Braden, also another one. Oh, my God. Your no-hitter, yeah. A-Rod's uh, bitch. Yeah, from Cali, in case anyone didn't know. Um, so, anyway, so that that's uh, – there's a lot that's going to be affected here. We are excited. I mean, we are one week away now, I think. I'm, I'm very – I'm 70% sure that we're probably talking about everything that got agreed to on our next show by Monday. We're going to end the show the way I started it, brother. <laughs> good there we go so we have nothing to worry about be happy um again keep in mind memorial day the last few hours we have wore my patriotic hat uh to honor it and we will be back next week back in our, our normal time slot again 7 p.m not on the holiday this time to discuss uh hopefully an agreement if it's not an agreement it's still going to be a super exciting show because we're going to have hours and maybe a little bit of days left before they have to come to an agreement. So join us next week, 7 p.m. Sean's um, Total Bases podcast on tomorrow night. Be sure to join that. He's got some good fantasy stuff going on there. And also step back again, uh, Jacob Anthony Moses and Leon Tompkins. There you have moved into a new time slot Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Immediately follow uh, following the lab. Is that 7 p.m.? Following the lab, yep. Yes, the lab's at 7 p.m. So Wednesday's a good I'm excited. I'm excited for that. I think that's a good slot for them. Me too. I think that'll work a lot better than, uh, than they had. So join those. Join us next week, Monday, 7 p.m. This has been Dong City. Have a great night. Dong City Bomba Club! <laughs>